podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's a new dropper. And now it's in the middle. Dropper goes. Welcome to Chesi Hour. My name is Mies. I'll be your host for this one. I've got two very special guests. I've got Jay. How you doing, bro? All good, my bro. All good, brother. Can't complain. Can't complain. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a decent week. Funny week, but decent at the same time. Shemi, yeah. what are you saying, bro? I'm good, bro. I'm good, bro. How are you? Yeah, I can't complain. I can't complain. It's been, like I said, it's, it's been a funny old week, man. You know, after what was it, fifteen games, um, two call cool, unbeaten. Um, well, no, on the fifteenth game, yeah, stepped too far, unfortunately, and we uh came up against the mighty West Brom, bottom of the table. Well, no, second bottom of the table, and um, really, really been poor. But they came up trumps against us on a five-two win at Stamford Bridge, which was a crazy old game. Crazy game because it seemed like every time they went forward, they caused us issues. Now, obviously, that wasn't the story of the game, um, 11 v 11. I don't think that we started off particularly well, but, you know, it, like I said, it's a funny old game. So, Jay, obviously, we watched it back. Um, what are your thoughts going into the game? Obviously, early kickoff, 12.30 after international break. A lot of players were tired. A lot of players were travelling and playing a couple of days earlier. So we didn't really have much time to train. But do you think that was enough of an excuse? Or what was your overall feeling when you saw the lineup and what you were expecting? Um, when I saw the lineup, like straight away, I was, I was confident. I think I was just confident, obviously, due to the, like, the, the previous results that we'd had before, before international break. But then like, just like things like Thiago Silva coming back, I just thought to myself, he was going to be very determined to like obviously right the wrong from what he did against West Brom the first time. And um, obviously we all know now that backfired, but I just feel like it, it was just such a weird game. Like I was so happy with the, with the lineup. I was happy with, um, I wasn't so happy with like the start of it, like the start of the game, but I was just happy with like generally going into the game, I was happy with everything. So yeah, it was a massive, massive slap in the face. Obviously, when when we um, when we eventually sorry when we eventually um, obviously lost that game. So I'll be honest with you, that game yeah has come and gone so quickly for me. Like that's the thing, like you know when you know when some losses arise, yeah, and it's almost like you dust yourself down and go again, basically. And I I think that's the and a lot of that comes from the manager. Taking the uh, taking the not the pressure but taking the, the energy and vim away from a defeat, and Tuchel kind of managed that really really well. But I do want to get into the details of the game. Um, Shemi, when you saw the lineup, 
And I think a couple of people, like I think Babs, I'm going to give him his flowers. But Babs was talking about Chris Jensen being, he has to start over um, Thiago Silva as, as, as much as possible, basically. Um, when you saw the lineup, Shams, were you concerned about Thiago Silva, considering he hadn't played for about four or five weeks prior? Um, what, what was your feeling? Um, and do you think that was the right decision? Yeah, first of all, I'm not giving Babs any flowers because that guy. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, <clears throat> I weren't concerned about Thiago coming back in, to be honest. Um, just given the way he's performed this season, I think he's been fantastic. Um, he's an experienced pro. And I think Tuchel kind of, um, he kind of had the kind of the same mindset in the sense that, yeah, Thiago's been there, done that. Throwing him back in shouldn't really be a problem. And I was of that same view. So I weren't worried at all. But I think that 10-game break where he was injured has did kind of take a toll, of him, toll on him in the sense that he came back a little rusty, he was a little rash, he did seem like he wanted to prove a point. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess you could say it kind of backfired, but um, at the same time, I felt like Christensen needed a rest because he played virtually every single minute since Thiago got injured. So, it was a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. But um, when I saw the lineup, I was I was cool because simply because I expect us to beat West Brom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and I think we had enough on the pitch to beat West Brom. I think the lineup was was fine. I know he rotated, um, which we're gonna which I'll I have a point to get into a bit later, but um I still feel like we had enough on the pitch to get in to, to beat West Brom. But um, yeah, um no one turned up and everyone as a collective was just really poor. Um and that's bound to happen, like, you know, throughout a season, especially when you've been on a run as, as we have, you're you're bound to have one game where you kind of, you know, um you, you fall short of the level and you don't get um, you don't you don't reach the level you have been reaching in the, in the in the last few months, and on top of that, West Brom was super clinical. So it was one of those games you can do anything about. But yeah, man, that was my initial thoughts before the game. Yeah, I, I feel like you know fans, not even just Chelsea fans, but fans in general, kind of get into the oh, why did you rotate? You shouldn't rotate it. I think there was a comment from Joe Cole on on, on BT Sports saying that. Oh, you shouldn't have rotated. You're showing a bit of disrespect to West Brom. It's the Premier League. Welcome to the Premier League, etc. Well, ultimately, even with the changes, Chelsea should have enough quality and really did have enough quality to, to actually perform better. I just think that the overall performance, even including Thiago Silva, um, the overall performance of the team just wasn't necessarily great. Um, seemed a bit sloppy, quite sluggish, and just our passing in general in that game... Uh, was just very very sloppy. I think Jorginho was one of the biggest, um, yeah, one of the biggest culprits. In fact, I think two of his errant passes actually put Thiago Silva in those positions where he got the, the both yellow cards. Um, so generally, our pass was really, really poor. Um, I felt the link between the midfield and attack was really really bad, and evidently, I felt like we were missing say Mason Mount. Um, I don't think Pulisic was was great, although he he got the goal. Um, credit to him, he got the goal. Um, from uh, Marcus Alonso, a fantastic free kick, got tipped onto the post, and then Pulisic followed it in and tapped it in. And I felt like the goal wasn't necessarily deserved or undeserved. I just felt like, okay, it's 1-0. It's, right now, it's quite comfortable, um, and we should really see it out. I think he scored around the 30th or 32nd minute or something like that. So I thought, okay, get the goal, um, and I guess it should really be a cruise on here. But then Jorginho, I think before the goal, in fact, Jorginho let made a completely wayward pass and I think he was wide open as well like Jorginho had no one on him no one pressing him he just passed it straight to um to West Brom player the West Brom player and they slip it in and Thiago Silva gets caught out on the wrong side and brings it down he gets a yellow card and obviously he took one for the team fine um but then there's a there's a lot of discussion about the second yellow Jorginho again gives it away uh, West Brom break on us um and Got some decent defending, in fact. Um, and then Thiago Silva, they, they try and shoot. The shot's been taken, and Thiago Silva, in a way of trying to block it, um, I think he makes a slight bit of contact, or the, the West Brom player actually kicks out um, at Thiago Silva. There's contact, and boom, second yellow. And just moments before that, Timo Werner had a similar situation where he's crossing in the box. Um, he gets caught in the penalty area, after the ball's gone, um, no appeals for penalty, no VAR check, no nothing. And then this, Thiago Silva literally makes a block. Same thing, ball's gone, makes slight contact, second yellow card. I just don't understand. That, that inconsistency 
it's really bothersome. And in another game, I don't know if it was the Southampton game, but I think it might have been the Burnley game where um, a cross has gone in, the ball's gone, there's contact made, and a penalty's given. So I, I, this inconsistency in, in the refereeing um, in, in England is actually really, really poor. But again, even for me, when that Werner challenge came in, well, when that challenge on Werner happened on the live on the Discord, I said, no, that's not, that's not a foul. It's, not, it's football. This thing, these things happen. But then you see a penalty that's given in the other game and you see a, a second yellow card for Thiago Silva. I just, it, for me, it's just a complete mess. And that completely threw us off and completely. Yeah. Obviously, we've spoken about Zuma. And uh, Jay, I want you to kind of touch on him because obviously before he, well, before Tuchel came in, Zuma was a mainstay and we felt that we couldn't really perform defensively um, without him. Um, but since Tuchel's come in, um, he's found himself on the fringes and you can kind of see why in the back three. Jay, I want to kind of get your thoughts on seeing Zuma in the back three. What, what are your thoughts on him generally and where he, where he finds himself, I guess, down in the pecking order? This this is this is tough for me because I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of Zuma. Like generally, I, I really like Zuma as a defender. I like all the attributes he has. Massive fan of how dominant he is. Um, dominant he is in the air. Um, I like the way like he kind of lets defenders know that he's there more often than not. So he kind of rattles them like early in the game. Not a lot of players like to go one v one with Zuma. Do you know what I mean? And I think as, especially when they see him coming in for a tackle. They're definitely one, the ones that are backing out. But the one weakness that I feel like I see Zuma have um, consistently is ball watching. Jesus Christ, this brother. He will, like, I don't, I don't know what it is, yeah? Like, he must know it's a weakness. It has to have been highlighted because the Minamino goal against Southampton, he was ball watching, yeah? There's nobody else around but Minamino, bro. Look at the, watch the man. There's nobody else to look at. Just watch the man. Then the Pereira one, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit with the Pereira one because basically everybody's walking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's coming up. out. So, yeah, I can still so it's, it's, it's one of them ones where it's like, I feel like everybody's switched off there a little bit. But it's also very clever from Pereira because it was like, um, you saw Neymar and, and Marquinhos' goal. The same uh, goal, similar goal. Yeah, that, that's strictly between Neymar and Marquinhos and, and just the cleverness of the players. Like, they, they, they took an opportunity and, like, with a little bit of quality, they managed to, to get the goal. And I feel, the same, feel like the same thing happened with West Brom with that Pereira goal. So, like, Pereira's yeah. caught everybody napping. He's running on goal. Um, there were questions about whether Mendy should have maybe come out or not. Like, I don't know, like... Yeah, it's difficult, I, 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 but I still feel I, like he was ball watching though a little bit. I I, I, I feel Zuma was really poor there because I feel like Pereira is coming onto his side. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like in that regard, he's coming into it. So Zuma should really have him in his line of sight. And also, Zuma, you're looking at a keeper who's about to boot it, so you should be looking at what's around you. And I feel like he just slept. Um, Chris Jensen was he. Chris Jensen, was it Chris Jensen that came on? Chris Jensen came on after Thiago Silva, basically, yeah. So I feel like Chris Jensen tried to get back, but, but Chris Jensen, I think Pereira got a, a march on Chris Jensen and then Zuma was the closest behind, he was furthest back. And I, I, I just do, I don't, whilst I want to have sympathy for Zuma and the rest of the team in general, mm. the goalkeeper booted it. It wasn't like it's a long ball from a defender. It's a, a boot from the goalkeeper. So I just didn't, I, I can't, nothing will tell me otherwise than that being poor. I think that that's just generally quite poor. Yeah. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but that's, I feel like that happening, a goalkeeper getting an assist, I think that's a, a defensive error, basically. Yeah. Shape wise, I think there's a defensive error. And even Mendy, I don't think he could have done much, really and truly. I think Mendy was literally our last saviour in that moment. Um, I don't think he really could have done much. It was a great finish from Pereira. And yeah, that brought it down to 1-1. And then Reese James. Now, Reese James, I felt like it was really poor against West Brom. Um, but the most criminal thing he did that game was did a lofted flick pass back to Jorginho. To Jorginho, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jorginho yeah. then misdirected his header. Again, I... I can't necessarily blame Jorginho for that goal. Although he should really do better with the header, he should never be put in that position to make a header. So 
that was just poor from Reese James. And he put us in danger. We're, we're down to 10 men. When then what, 50, well, 45th minute, an extra time, just see the game out. Be a bit more shrewd. He didn't need to do it. He had Aspie to his left as well. There was no need to do it. He flicks it back. Jorginho, a poor defender from Marcos Alonso, as we expect. And it's 2-1. The game's been turned on his head. And um, now we're we having to chase the game. And when you try and chase the game, ultimately you're always going to get punished. Punished, yeah. You know, I felt like if we got into that, if we went into that half at one one at half time at one one, I felt we probably could have gone on to win the game because I feel that in doing so, West Brom would feel like they're going to come on to us. They'd come on to us more because it's ten men. They're going to try. They need the points. They'll try and get the result. But then we could be compact, sit back, and break on them. But. The opposite was true. We were two one down, and we were trying to push. Then they just kept breaking on us. So it was just, it, ultimately, we it was just too sloppy. We made a lot of defensive errors, and then the second half we just got taken apart by absolutely stunning goals. And I, I, I want to be critical. Um, I, I want to be critical of the team, but I think the goals were just incredible. Like Shems, I, it's weird, but out of all the goals we conceded. What was the best one for you? It's mad. I it's mad. I'm asking you this question, but bruv, they were mad. Um, that that third goal was a madness for me. That root, the roof of the net, yeah. The first time on the half volley, nah, that was peak. That that goal was the, after that goal went in. I said, yeah, that's it. Like this, there's no point because you know when, yeah, you know when things like that are happening, yeah, you just know that this is a day is not for you. Let's just wrap it up and move on to the next game because. From when things are happening, goals like that are going in, like in West Brom's favour, like a whole West Brom, you just know it's not going to be a day. Yeah, but yeah, that goal was, was absolutely peak. We ain't scored a goal of that quality all season, bro. I'm telling like, you. <laughs> that was an absolute madness. So, <laughs> like you said, Shirley, like when a goal like that goes in, it's curtains for me. It's I knew, curtain, like, that's done. Game done. Because to be fair, every time to... they got forward, mm. it was just a mess. Every time they were just on our necks, bro. Like, every time. To be fair, though, I knew... I, I don't know about you guys, but I, for me, game game was done by at 2-1 because when that second goal went in, yeah, and I saw our shape, um, we, yep. I've never been, I've never seen us so rattled as, as we were after that red card. The shape was absolutely all over the place. And, like, it didn't seem like we really knew how to kind of... Um, just ha- just just how to set up um and see ourselves through half- to half time. I can see we were really rattled, and I can see that the way um we um we were set up in terms of our shape that is going to be very very difficult for us to score a goal because I think he went to um Pulisic and Werner kind of Pulisic yeah. came off Werner and then it was like I saw Reese in the middle at times and it just didn't look right man. And I could tell that we weren't going to fashion a goal. So as soon as we went to one, I had an inkling that we weren't going to get we weren't going to get a, a victory. Then when that third goal went in, it was curtains. You know what? I think there was a lot of people actually talking about um, the Tuchel substitutions, um, saying that taking off Ziyech was really the wrong move and we should have really kept the attack and move away from the, I guess, the, um, the three at the back and just play with it. And do you, do you think there's some credit to that? Or do you think that he made the right decision in bringing off Ziyech? I know Ziyech didn't have the greatest of games. I think he had a lot of opportunities to, to slide in um, Timo Werner. Um, and Pulisic, but he was getting the passes wrong. But do you think that, that was the right sub, uh, Jay? I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of hard to criticize Tuchel for the substitutions, but at the same time, I hear what other, the fans are saying. Well, some fans are saying because he went because he went defensive, didn't he? A little bit that like yeah. that was the criticism as well, right? But my thing is like I, I can't remember what the score was when he took Ziyech off. One nil. Was it 1-0, yeah? It was 1-0. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because he obviously, yeah, he took Ziyech off for, for, for Christensen, right? But yeah. from my thing is, my thing is, we, we've been doing this all, all two calls, like, tenure so far. Like, we've been defending well, compact, not, not allowing teams to score. So, like, I don't understand why that's shocking. Like, he wanted yeah. somebody else to come in to the middle of the park. You could argue that maybe he could have let Zuma go into the middle and then maybe brought on someone else that was maybe a little bit more attacking. Maybe like, I know he's played Emerson there a couple of times at left centre-back. Yeah. Maybe he could have done something like that. But my like I just feel like 
I don't know, man. He doesn't trust the, the attack enough. Do you understand? Like, Tuchel's problem right now, and people need to understand, Tuchel's got... He hasn't got that many people to rely on up, up top. He's got... Yeah. How many attackers can he rely on at the moment? How many can you say, yeah, this guy's going to drag us back into the game? Only, only Mason Mount, funny enough. Only Mason Mount. Literally, there's only Mason Mount that you can say is has got a possibility of dragging us back into a game. And even Mount himself, to be fair to him, under Tuchel, he's been banging goals. But even Mount himself can go through a game like play well and not score, do you know what I mean, or not assist. So even then, it's like Mount is not a, a reliable or regular goal scorer um, or regular source of goals. Although that might be changing under Tuchel. Yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah, a, a regular source of goals in my opinion. Yeah, but, but generally, if we if we're talking generally, you're right. Like that, and that's what I'm trying because I don't want to put pressure on the kid. Like say he's the guy that we look to to go and bang two, three goals to get us back into a game. It's not that. Like we ain't got nobody like that at the moment. The guy that's meant to be doing that, we'll talk about later, but we ain't got nobody that's, that's, that's doing that. So when you see, it's the, same, it's the same reason Tuchel has gone in this direction as soon as he's come in. He's working with what he's... Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. That he can rely on in the squad. And right now, he can rely on... We, we had clean sheet FC when Lampard was here. So it makes sense to, to work with the defence and make the defence better. Do you understand? And we did that, and he carried on doing that against West Brom when we went a man down. My thing was, initially, he probably had an attacking plan. But again, because he can't rely on some of these guys, what's he meant to do? I don't understand what people want him to do. Sometimes our midfielders can't even hit the ball into space. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I agree, and I, I I don't know. Like for me, Ziyech obviously hasn't really been pulling up trees under Tuchel. Um, Pulisic hasn't really looked great either, although he has contributed in the last two games. He got an assist, um, and then he got um, a goal, obviously uh, against West Brom. But like you said, I don't I don't know if the attack is um, consistent enough to be pulling out and getting us these results. Um, especially Timo Werner, and he was pretty much a, a non-entity in the game. Um, didn't really exist at all. Um, didn't really pose much of a threat. Um, to, again, some sympathy for him. He was running behind and the pass wasn't really good, and the final pass wasn't good. The final execution wasn't good. But, yeah, I don't think he's offering enough of a goal threat. So I could understand why Tuchel wanted to maintain the three at the back. I think even in the first half, I remember... Um, Reshane's actually went into midfield. He tucked into midfield for about five, ten minutes, um, and it just wasn't looking good. We we're getting killed out wide, so then he went back to the, the back five. But still, we just we just kept getting killed all over the pitch. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a poor result. It was a poor result, and I I, I talked it down to a poor day at the office. Um, there wasn't really much positives to really discuss other than Mason Mount getting another goal, um, Timo Werner getting an assist. You know, it, it looked. For me, when I watched it live, that Timo kind of passed up the opportunity to score. He, he looks really shot of confidence. And I, you didn't I don't know, man. You didn't it want don't it, look man. good, man. It don't look good, man. It don't look mm -hmm. good. And I, I don't want to completely write him off, but it doesn't look good, man. A, a player of, yeah, to, to have that kind of conf crisis in confidence is it's, it's really, really bothersome. It's, it's, it's sad. We've had crisis like that before. 
It's hard not to, isn't it? It's it's hard not to. Like we'll speak about the the other game that we had this week, but it's hard not to when when you see like some of the basics that he's doing get wrong. And I've and I've slaughtered other players in this in the same team for those yep. same things. So it's yep. hard. Like my thing was at the beginning. Obviously, you've just come into a new team. It is what it is. Like you're you're adapting whatever. But I do feel like even in the first season, there's got to be like some sort of quality that you see. Like from the player yeah. to to be like you see Havertz, we we see Havertz and we're like, quality, you know yeah. what? Um, we can see quality there, so we're not shook. We know like something's coming from Havertz eventually. But like, and even ZH to a, to a degree as well. Sometimes with ZH, you see moments of quality, like with the ball at his feet, whether it be a pass or whatever. But then with Werner, I think right now the only thing that's keeping his head above water right now is literally the fact that I think he's probably one of the most productive out of all of, all of the players. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah. but he is. Like, he's got yeah. a bag of assists and he's got, like, I don't know, a handful of goals or whatever. But, like, his work rate also for the team, we can't knock him on that. He's, F, like, he's he's mad yeah. selfless for the team. But yeah, like, yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I agree. I feel like... And this is why it's a, it's a bit of a mess, man. Because I feel like... Whilst he doesn't bring that much of, he is a goal threat. He gets chances every game. Um, it just concerns me now that he's starting to shy away from these chances. And I feel like we've dealt with kind of strikers like these before, like Morata, like Torres. We've dealt with these guys before. And when they're suffering in crisis, they stop trying to do things. Um, and Timo, I'm looking at it and like the fact that you're passing chances to score goals, and that was an easy chance. That is damning to me. That's damning to me. And obviously it fell to Mount Mount score, but it's damning to me. It's not it's not a he good was sign. Shook, he? He was yeah, he, it's not he, a good he sign. was very, very he shook. shook. He was very shook. He was very and shook. I, it, uh, it's it it obviously we could chalk it down to the season. I think to, even to be fair to Timo, earlier in the season, I felt he was playing with confidence. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say technically yeah. he didn't look a mess for me. I thought mm-hmm. technically he looked quite sharp. Agreed. His touch was good. His dribbling looked good. I remember when he was carrying balls and dribbling past people in, in, against Brighton mm-hmm. in the first game of the season. He looked good. Southampton as well. Even the Spurs goal. Southampton, Spurs, Liverpool. Yes, Spurs, Spurs away. Spurs mm-hmm. away in the um, FA, not um, in the um, Carabao Cup. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, he, he looked dangerous and looked like he would be a proper striker. But then... Yeah. I think what I said before that like playing him out wide, like as a left wing, yeah. really disorientated him. It destroyed him. him. Yeah. It disorientated him. He wasn't comfortable there. It didn't look good there. And I think that's where the confidence issues started to happen. And I think I remember saying it on a podcast that this playing him out wide might actually cause an issue. Um, not only is it causing an issue for players that can play there but aren't playing there, but for him especially, I don't think he likes playing wide. I think he likes playing that inside forward position or a Roman striker role. I him being stationed out left wing to actually do a winger's job was always going to cause an issue for him. So it's just um, it's a bit of a shame. It's a mess. Um, but what can we say, man? You just have to just wait and hope and see and see if he if he can do things. You know, you don't know. With it, with, with it being his first season. I can give allowances because to an to an extent he's been productive, but yeah, I, this is not what I expected. It's not what we expected. It's not what we hoped for. We wanted more, um, but we can only wait and see and see if he gives us more in the, in, in the next couple I think, of seasons. I think I think he's benefiting from the fact that he has a manager that trusts him and fully backs him too. Like, I, I think Tuchel's really really behind him. Um, but for me, it's getting to that point whereby Tuchel's been in what two months now? I think yeah, two months. Came in January, February, March. Three months. Tuchel's been in three no, months no, now, no, yeah? No, been two months. Been two months. Okay, okay, two months, yeah. Cool. And I think was kind of... Um, I think that period whereby he instills... Where he's trying to work on the confidence of Werner, I mm. think for me, yeah, because we're getting to crunch time, of the season, crunch time of the season, got some big games coming up, all that, I think that period of trying to, like, play him just to boost his confidence, I think that's kind of gone for me. Because, like... Because because the, the type of season we're getting to now, obviously we've got um a big quarterfinal coming up. We've got um if we win that, we're in the semis, and then obviously we've got the running for the top four. I personally feel like yeah. because we're so stacked in that position behind the strikers, yeah. So those two ten pockets, I feel like 
if we're playing someone that's not productive, okay, maybe he might be numbers, he might be productive number wise, but if there are other options like um, a Callum Hudson or like a Pulisic, um, who are who who we know will comfortably do the job better, I think it's kind of time to kind of just let them let them go from the start and um and just and drop him essentially is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't feel like when I don't feel like what in a position right now from here on out especially if we make that semi-final from then onwards the 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 magnitude of the games we have coming up we don't we don't have room for passengers in my opinion so i i yeah. honestly for me i said it in a group chat when the lineup came out yesterday for the um for the porter game i would like to see how some of in that left channel he when he's played there he's looked pretty good um i liked him against everton there um pulisic yesterday had a bright cameo if pulisic can stay fit i'd much rather see him there too you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So um, I just don't feel like we're in a position to be to be carrying people right now, man. The, the games are, are coming thick and fast and the magnitude of the games are just too big. So whilst I'm, I do sympathise with him, like whilst I want him to get confidence and I want him to go, I just feel like if it's not happening, then just, just drop him out, man. Well, what were your, what were your thoughts? What were you lot's thoughts um, to Tuchel's to, to, response to that loss? Um, because for me... I appreciated him as a manager and as a coach, and just as a man, really, for taking accountability and putting the blame on himself. Um, and, and also to call for calm, like the calls for calm, because I think, I don't think he was necessarily carping on too much about being unbeaten and stuff, because I think he talked in a press conference prior that, look, we're, we have to be humble, you know, we, we can't get ahead of ourselves too much we need to be humble because ultimately their loss will eventually come um but he also spoke with so much confidence so his response to the defeat how how did you guys feel and did you ever feel concerned um with you know okay our loss has happened now so the wheels are going to fall off because i feel like the media wanted to kind of paint that kind of that that feeling yeah. um but how, how did you feel jay no nah, they've been they've been waiting in it but it's, it's not the case because I think Tuchel couldn't say this in the in the press conference, but I think he wanted to say them brothers could try to shoot like that five times, like 500 times more and they won't score them goals. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, bro. Like we're talking about like, I've seen Kaka score goals like that. Like them, them that, that volley that my man scored, Robinson, yeah. and on the dink. Never in your life, bro. Not again. Do that next game, yeah. innit? He won't do yeah, it. Exactly. Like, these men, if these men were scoring like that every season, um, every game, every week, week in, week out, playing like they were, they were even, be under, bottom two. even under Billich, bro, they were kicking ball and they were yeah. not scoring goals like that. Do you get what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. It was just one of them ones, like, like Shemi said, you see that third goal going and you're like, if these men hit anything else, it's going in. And that's what happened, bro. They scored another, what, they scored another two. Yeah. Ended up being five two. Is what it is, bro. It's one of Liverpool players would have been saying the same thing um, about um, the seven two. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you know, and and Barkley was hitting it. It was deflecting off man and going in. It's it just is what it is, bro. Like at the end of the day, it's just one of those days, man. And I wanted to touch on the inter fighting, but it seemed like that was again handled with a plum by Thomas Tuchel. Um, he put out the fire real real quick. Um, where there was fighting between Rudiger and Kepa and Aspilicueta and Reese James. Um, but I just think that was just generally players showing them their passion and fight and that they care. And obviously that, that loss disappointed them. And rightfully so. Um, the loss should have disappointed them because we're on such a good run. And that could have implications for the top four. Um, but, you know, it that kind of leads on to, you know, a lot, a lot, of, the, a lot of the media were predicting that the walls will fall off and some Chelsea fans said, well, look, after that big loss, and it was a heavy loss, how did Chelsea respond? And we had a massive midweek game against Porto in the Champions League and the response was absolutely necessary. Tuchel spoke about it at a press conference that he's confident about the response because the players showed passion, they showed commitment in training and what a response it was. Now, I guess that Porto game, boy, Sherry, <laughs> There's a lot to take in because I felt, yeah, when watching that, I felt the first 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, we looked cool, we looked good, in control. And then suddenly, I think we made a couple errant passes and then Porto were onto us. It was mad. Non-stop pressing, non-stop popping. It was insane. Shebs, talk to us about that first half, bro. Yeah, man, I think... (sighs) 
I don't know if I agree that we were in control. I don't know. I think I think we kept possession okay, maybe in the first 10. But I think overall, our passing was really lax. It was kind of similar to West Brom in the sense that it, a lot of passes were going astray. Um, there was no link up in the attack. People who were available weren't receiving the ball. So the wingbacks, Reese James especially, had all the space in the world, wasn't receiving the ball too many times. I think Christensen tried to play him a couple of times, but overhit it twice. Um, yeah, I thought from that perspective, we weren't, especially the first the first so the first 25 minutes of that or that first half I think was, was really poor, was quite poor it was it was a little bit of a continuation from West Brom um well, breaking it down. first 10 so I said first 10 15 oh 10 15 okay cool yeah yeah all right okay post then yeah yeah, yeah. cool cool okay cool yeah I can agree with that. yeah I can agree with that the first 10 the first 10 15 minutes I wouldn't say that we were creating chances I felt we were just comfortable and mm. we were dominating the ball and um, so we'll in a sinew of control. So yeah, okay, I agree. Yeah. Popping them off the pitch, no, but we were keeping the ball well, passing it okay. And they weren't putting us under so much pressure. So we'll pass it quite well and we'll navigate into their half okay. The final pass wasn't there, but we'll navigate in the match okay and the occasion okay. But after 10, it might have been 10 minutes, but after 10 minutes, it was just chaotic to say the least. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, yeah. And then I think that the goal um, from Mount, which was quality, by the way, that settled us down. And I think that goal was um, kind of the first time we actually started to actually build um, patiently, build properly, you know, um, well, with, a, James, with a... You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead because... Oh, my, okay, cool, sir. So prior yeah. to that, we were under immense pressure. Jay, yeah. we were under the cosh because, bruh, they had a chance at that half volley that dipped over just under over Mendy's bar. Um, the the corner kick that Mendy had to flap away and then they had to blast and then they just knocked it over. Jay, bro, talk to us about the PMP that they had in that team. Yeah, I, I do. I do think yeah, Porto kind of clocked on to our like overplaying. Yeah, and um, that was one thing I was heavily critical about us when we lost and and I just feel like Porto. They got a bit more PMP. They got a bit more energy. They got pace, like everywhere, like everywhere on the pitch. They was they was just like running man down. And I feel I feel like whilst I think Kovacic and Jorginho, in some cases they dealt with it quite well, but then in some cases it was like if if it was like a millisecond quicker, like they nick the ball and they and they break on us or you know like they they're probably through. So it was. The thing is, I don't want to say we were completely out of control because I feel like a lot of people these days, they feel like being in control is just when you've got the ball. Mm. And Chelsea have kind of mastered recently how to be in control also without it. So, like, we've been defending decent in ways and we've been creating people, like, teams could create chances against us, but they're not chances where you're like, shit, like, we're lucky to still be in this game. Like, I I don't think, even the commentators were like, uh, Porto, they're, 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 they're playing well but they're not creating that chance, just that chance yeah. that, that can almost guarantee them a goal. And you, like you said, the volley, that's a very hard volley to score. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. they score that, nothing you can really do. Do you know what it's I mean? plucky moments. They, they had plucky moments. I wouldn't yeah, say like, that they... It was just moments crazy. that made... Yeah, it was moments that made you yeah. think, yo, like if they get any closer, then it's a goal, innit? And, and that's probably what the problem was. But for me, I just felt like what was more frustrating was just the way we were trying to counter them, bro. Like it was, like Shemi said, like Christensen was knocking the ball out of play here and there, like trying to find James. Kovacic's radar was absolutely horrific. Oh my God. Like the, the long balls that these men were playing were just literally going straight through to the keeper. Some of them. And I was just yeah. like, what's going on here? Like these men have got playing a high line. Werner wasn't making the runs in behind. Like sometimes he's normally decent with that, at least. Do you know what I'm saying? Done it very well against Liverpool. Didn't see it against Porto. I just thought to myself, what are we doing here? I, I, I couldn't tell you what the plan was. Like, we were literally... You, you know what? I, I, on the Discord, I, me and Babs were there. We were talking... Um, we were talking... About, like, look, the biggest issue that I felt that we had in that first half was that we weren't necessarily showing Porto that much respect when we were trying to pass it out from the back. And when they started pressing us hard, we, we just kept going long. And I understand that, look, if in danger, i just try to clear it. But the biggest issue is with the quality of that. When you do that, the ball just kept coming back and Porto's on us and on us and on us. And the thing with Porto, when you try and press them, they're very good at popping it past you. 
when you're trying to press. And our press is quite organised, but they're still finding ways to play, play intricate football, which was very, very good. Now, whilst it didn't create clear-cut chances, because our defence, for me, personally, defensively, exceptional, exceptional performances. But it, I felt like we lost control in the midfield um, in that first half. And Jorginho and Kovacic, um, they just weren't getting their foot on the ball. And because we're, we're trying to... well, And even to be fair to both of them, um, I was quite heavy, heavily critical on Jorginho um, in the first half. But even to be fair to him, a lot of the game was bypassing him. Like the game was just going from our defence to a, trying to get the, the full-backs in or wing-backs in, trying to get Timo in, but the passes were just well astray and they were just, were just lumping it back to, to Porto. Um, so the, whilst the game passed them by, they also didn't offer us much control even when we're trying to go short. So that first half was a bit of a mess um, for me. And I understood the tactic that, okay, let's go long, direct, like we did against Liverpool and get in behind them. But the issue was Porto weren't playing that deep. They played quite high, but it wasn't high enough to get enough space to run in behind. I felt like the, the space was out wide rather than through the middle. And we kept doing that long ball through the middle. I think I think they're they're um, unlike say for example in Liverpool as well. I feel like they're wide men as well. They were attacking, but they were always they were also quick, but they were also like they were defensively aware as well. Do you understand? So it's like it's not like you were just playing against guys that just had no clue. Like they they were good defensively. So that's what their their team shape. Their their team shape was really good. Their team shape was really good. Yeah, and I could see why. I honestly I could see why. Juventus struggled against them because Juve yeah. have a um, Juve their their style of play under Pirlo isn't great. It isn't really um, a methodical, uh, tactical um, and pattern of play. They're quite direct in their approach now, and it's not it, it it's not pretty basically. So I can see why a, a, a plucky, um, very astute defensively and very organised team like Porto caused them so much issues and it caused them so much problems. Um, because when you see us, I think that we're quite tactically adept, adept and on the ball, and we kind of have our patterns of play. Um, but that they even cause us issues. Um, but that makes them out goal. Let's talk about that goal, because bro, honestly, look, Mason Mount has had a lot of detractors, yeah, and I feel like a lot of detractors have come because Frank Lampard played him week in, week out. Whether he's poor, whether he's good, regardless, he played him week in, week out. At the expense of others, but the f- like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. thing is, when I said Mason Mount, yeah, his game will elevate under Tuchel, I felt it in my soul, not because, you know, I think Mason Mount is potentially world class or whatever. I just feel like Mason Mount is a player that will soak up so much information about from a proper coach. And I feel Tuchel is one of the one of the brightest coaches in, in, in football to kind of get the best out of certain players. And I think Mason Mount is one of those guys. I mean, Mason, under Tuchel, has been exceptional. Exceptional. I think, I think don't get me wrong, even under Lampard, he was, he was good to a degree. Good. I don't think he was amazing. I don't think he was great, but I think he was good. Um, but under Tuchel, I think he has been exceptional. I think he... Like I said, the, the the link between our midfield and attack against West Brom, for example, was non-existent, non-existent. And that why was that? Mason Mount wasn't playing. When Mason Mount played, started came on, even under ten men, that's when we started finding the connection. That's when we started getting our our attacks up, our, our wing backs started coming up. Mason Mount was the key in that. And again, against Porto, the only one in our attack for me 
that looked decent. Kyle Havertz wasn't really good because he wasn't in the game. We kept lumping up to him. He had to keep knocking it down. And Timo Werner was just completely absent. Mason Mount was the only one that could really, that really stood up. Technically, tactically, perfect performance, from, in my opinion, from Mason Mount. Ta- tactically, especially. Get defensively covered well, helped out the midfield, linked between the two, connected very well with Reese James out wide. Yeah, I think Mason Mount, man. Let's talk, but let's talk about the goal because we've talked about Mason and that half turn. He's able to receive the ball on a half turn. It might be a a, 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 a Lacobin kind of thing because obviously we know Ruben can do it. We know that um, Hudson does it really, really well. But Mason Mount, bruv, he does that turn, that half turn, so well, bro. So all the time, every game, every single game, bro. Shems, talk to us about the goal, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna to touch on the half turn as well because, like, literally every game, no matter no matter how tight the space is, he always manages to pull it off, and it's it's fantastic to see. Um, it's a great score to have in his locker. But um, yeah, as I was saying, I think that goal was the first time we really started to build and actually start to put some passes together. Um, and yeah, as soon as Jorginho put it into him, I kind of knew that. Um, when when he made that turn, I was like, okay, cool. I think we're in business here. I could see because Mason, he's very. In front of goal, he's he's very assured. I feel quite comfortable with him when he's when he's in front of goal and in and around the box and he's about to shoot. I feel like a lot of the time he is he is quite good with getting his shots on goal and working goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, as soon as he turned, it was a great finish across the goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper possibly could have saved it, could have done a bit a little bit better. But mm. no, credit to Mason Mount because that that was a really really fantastic goal and it just settled us down. And um, yeah, credit to him, man. Great finish. Yeah, so it was his first goal in the Champions League. It was a long time coming, but what a goal that was, man. And yeah. when we needed it, because it was looking a bit shaky for us, I can't lie. I, I wasn't yeah. feeling very comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but as, as Shem said, that goal kept, went in and it definitely settled us down, man. But Jay, how, how important do you think Mason Mount is to Chelsea right now? Uh, yeah, I think I think he is quite important. I remember like a while back, we were talking about like who should probably start in the team the majority of the time in the attack and all that. And mm. I think um I think it might even be even have been me and Shemi and we was like, oh like Mount is probably one that majority of the time he probably has to start in that attack. Mm-hmm. I think like just just for a load of reasons. Obviously he's got like lots of quality. Um but even just the trust that whole thing of trust. And I know like Lampard trusted him but also kind of neglected his poor performances like we talked about before. I think with Tuchel, he's acknowledged, obviously, all his attributes. He's acknowledged the fact that he's a hard worker. He's a Chelsea boy. But I also think as well, he's actually locked on to the fact that this kid can be so much better as well. And he's, I think he's working on that with Mount. And one thing I feel like Mount's doing now, you might not be able to realise it because it just seems like he's always running. I think if you watch his games now, especially in the final third, he's utilising his energy a little bit more. And he's not like, I don't know, I feel like he's not snatching at things as much under Tuchel. I, I feel he's like not he's, as, he's not as rushed. I feel he's a lot more precise in his play in the final. Yeah, I, that's what I feel like. I feel like he's that was one of our biggest yeah, criticisms about, to be honest. Exactly. And I feel like in, in that in that moment, I agree with Shemi as well. I feel like when he's got a little bit of time to just focus on getting the shot off, I think more often than not, he, he works the keeper. Um and that was a great finish. Like it was a very hard finish as well. Like, and it was, it was. I think, I think, the, I think the point that Meads made earlier about him being the link man is very, very key. Um, in terms, because that, that for me, um, just shows why he's so important. Because I don't feel like any of the others. I don't feel like Ziyech is particularly a link man, even though he's a playmaker. But his playmaking and creativity more, more so comes through like passing and picking picking up crosses. Um, I don't think um, Pulisic is really a link man. I think Callum, to an extent, can be, because he when he drops deep and receives the ball and drives, sometimes he acts as that link man. But I think Mason does it the most consistently out of um, all of them who play in that pocket. So I think um, that point alone, I think that really, really emphasises how important he is, because without him, we don't have that. Um, and I think if he can just brush up, because I, I think that was really the only criticism that... Um, some of us man had about him this season is that in front of goal, his decision making has been a bit um a bit iffy, um, you know, overhitting passes sometimes or just not releasing the ball. But I feel like um 
if he can kind of just brush up on that and if he can keep adding numbers to his game, which he's done this season, I think this is his most productive season. Uh, well, in the Chelsea, obviously, I know it's only like two seasons, but if he keeps adding numbers to his game, then yeah, man, he's he's just going to, he's most definitely going to be our most important attacker. But yeah, that link man, that link man point is key because no one else really does it, does it as well as he does. And as consistently as consistently as he does. Yeah, and I, and I feel like with Mason Mount, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that he's grown a lot under Tuchel. And you know, when when Tuchel first came in, I think everyone was saying, "Oh, yeah, Mason Mount is a you know oh, Lampard's son, blah blah blah." But ultimately, one of the best things about Mason Mount is that he's he scored, he scored five under Tuchel, didn't he? He scored five, under five, five and fifteen. So yeah, he's he's done really really well. Yeah, really that's, that's decent. I think he's got three. He's got three under Lampard in the in the last in the last yeah in this season. So yeah, his numbers have definitely jumped. I think three in twenty seven under Lampard. So some big games as well, man. Definitely big, big games, big performances, big games. Like Liverpool, he scored. You know, obviously scored against West Brom. That happened, but then scored in our most important game of the season, man. And obviously things are good. Obviously Chilwell capped off the performance with a. A fantastic solo goal, um, capitalised on a mistake where we tried to hit that ball every single time and we finally, well, Kovacic kind of got it right where he intercepted, but he wasn't intercepted and then Chilwell got the ball, rounded the keeper and capped off a, a very good night because I think the second half, in comparison to the first, I mean, the second half was a lot better, controlled it so well. I think our, their, their threats, like their, their runs in behind, their runs into the channels, Rudiger dealt with Mariga very, very well. I think we just dealt with their threats a lot better. I think Kovacic and Jorginho in the second half were excellent, especially Jorginho. Um, and Reece James, incredible in the second half, absolutely incredible, dominated that side. I think it was quite even in the first half for him and um, Zanussi or Zanussi. Yeah, it was very, very even, but then second half, Reese James just got the better of him, bossed him. And so the brilliant performance from Reese James. I think Aspilicueta, again, very good defensively, but on the boards, really, really poor. Um, but it's a, it's a great result. 2 0 away from home. Obviously, we've got Crystal Palace this weekend at five o'clock on Saturday. And then we've got back the second leg, Porto, obviously, to play them for the second leg. and Hopefully that's us into the quarter, into the semi-finals, man. And then we play either Real Madrid or Liverpool. Now, obviously, the last time we won the Champions League, I'm not really one for superstitions, but the last time we won the Champions League, um, we played the Portuguese team in the quarterfinals. We won the away leg one nil. Um, this time, well, we won a, a away leg ten nil. This time round, you know, yeah. It, might happen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Look, and then we played after we after we got through the 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 Portuguese side, played the Spanish side. Now Real Madrid are currently winning three one against Liverpool. I'm not saying that that tie is done, but if they do, we'll be playing the Spanish side in the semi finals. If we play the set, I'm not gonna say we're gonna do it. I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen, but the potential's there, bro. That's and it. I'm not saying that it's definite, but stars are aligning. And the stars are aligning, bro. Only one problem, yeah, with bucking, bucking Madrid. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Let me just, let me just continue to peel off things, right? The last manager to win three consecutive knockout games in his first games for Chelsea, Robert, Roberto Di Matteo. <laughs> All I'm saying is the stars are aligning. Crazy I'm dog. Not we're gonna do it. <laughs> the stars are aligning. Crazy dog. The stars are aligning. The stars are aligning. I think Olivia Giroud has got five Champions League goals. Um, yeah, Drogba had six Champions League goals. I'm just saying things are aligning. I'm not saying we're gonna do it, but if we do it, don't be surprised. If you switch 2012 and you get 2021, that's what I'm gonna say. But yeah, things are looking very, very promising. Obviously, before we even attack the second leg. Crystal Palace, just thoughts on that. What would your what would your team be for for Crystal Palace? Because we've got a big, big game against Porto in the second leg. So how do you line up against Palace? Would you go relatively full strength or would you do some more ultimate? To be honest, I don't know if there's a, a, a real full strength for Tuchel because he alternates yeah. and adjusts so much. I don't think there's necessarily a full strength team, but would you make any real changes to the side? You know, maybe get 
Kante in, get some game time with yeah. his legs. I, I'd get his legs. I'd get Kante in, um, and I'd also get Hassan Doye in at wing back. Um, okay. I think because two reasons. Um, I think obviously James has played quite a bit of football, and obviously rotation is important for the um Porto game. And also, um, watching I've watched quite a bit of Palace this season. I don't know why because they're not enjoyable to watch, but they're very they're one of the most <laughs> low block um um teams we can kind of, um in the league like in the sense that they will make it very very difficult for us that's just how they play on the Hodgson and I think that um the extra kind of wide threat would be necessary for that one the extra bit of dy- dynamism I think would be um necessary for that one I think if, if you cast your minds back to the Stanford Bridge game they 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 made it quite difficult for us um and we struggled until we got that break and that little lucky break for Ben Chirwa and then of that's when the floodgates started to kind of open so I get Hudson in that win back um I get Kante in the midfield I'd probably get, I'm thinking, I'd probably get Pulisic in just off that bright cameo he did. Um, and, I'd, and, and I wouldn't mind seeing Giroud. It's been a while since we've seen Giroud, I can't lie. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I wouldn't mind seeing Giroud as well. Um, but I'm, I am a bit worried. Because, yeah, Giroud came out yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I think from the start, it's been a while since we've seen him from the start. But um, I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried though because every time we have rotated, so Southampton leads, it hasn't, it hasn't looked good. So I'm hoping Saturday is different. I don't know if you guys have any different takes, but yeah. I, I, I would, I would, I, I definitely hear you on um, on Angola Kante, Hudson Odoi as well. Um, I might be tempted to give Werner a rest and play. Um, Maybe a Ziyech or Pulisic. Yeah, when um, I said Pulisic, I, I was do for want to see Tammy Abraham as well. I do want to see Tammy Abraham. I think Tammy Abraham's fallen out of favour under Tuchel. I think. I think he's been injured, but also when he has been available, Tuchel's not really left it, put him in the team. Um, so obviously there's been links today with Tammy Abraham moving to West Ham, which will be a great move for him. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think. I would like to see Tammy Abraham because I think Tammy is uh, probably our most reliable goal scorer out of the lot. Um, but beyond that, I wouldn't really change too much. Um, yeah, man, we just hopefully we just get the win because top four, as much as, you know, Champions League is, you know, we could potentially win it or whatever. And, you know, when you're so late in this, these competitions, um, anyone can win it really and truly. But that top four, you kind of want to solidify that space. And obviously Leicester play West Ham this weekend. So you're hoping that Chelsea can kind of capitalize on either one of them dropping dropping points. So mm. I feel like crossed. it's massive, bro. I feel like if Leicester drop points and we manage to get the win with two points behind them, but if it's mm-hmm. like a draw, we go back into the top four mm-hmm. and we still catch up on Leicester. Do you know what I mean? Like it's massive. Like West Brom was already a bad loss, like in terms of even catching up with team. Do you know what I mean? Like we should be talking about going yeah, up. Yeah, that could have pulled us away. Yeah, we should be talking yeah, about that. Could have so yeah, man, I don't know. Yeah, it's, a frust- it's frustrating. That, that, was a, that was a missed opportunity for us. That was a missed opportunity for Massive. us, especially with Tottenham. Tottenham drop points. Tottenham drop points. And then, yeah, it just, it was a big opportunity missed. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, West Ham are now into the top four. Liverpool, Liverpool won as well. So it's just like, yeah, we, we need to... Hopefully, I I need us to get a win against Crystal Palace. Anything but a win is really disastrous for us, man. especially with West Ham coming up soon as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a madness. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think we we can leave it there. Um, thank you, boys, for for giving me your your Thursday evenings. But um, yeah, man, appreciate that. Hopefully, by the time we we reconvene next week, will we get three points at Crystal Palace and we'll be into the semi finals of the Champions League, bro? And that ain't happened since 2014. So, fingers crossed, man. That that's a very, very big, big, big scalp if we manage it, man. So, if we get through, and then obviously we play Real Madrid or Liverpool, you don't, you never know. It could be another final, and anything can happen in the final, man. So, fingers crossed, man. Boy, I just don't want to back up on Hazard, innit? That's all I'm saying. Boy, that's what I'm saying. Cause... I'm not trying to see that you. <laughs> You know that you know that picture of the of the guy holding the gun and he's got tears. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's it, like, Where's <laughs> crying, bro? Like, him coming back to kill us at the bridge, bro. Look, all I'm saying is, I just I just hope, I hope we do it, man. I, I don't want us to cock up this situation where we're two 0 up away from home. Like we 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 need to do this honestly. Yeah, we need to kill the time. 
kill the tie, get past um, Crystal Palace, get past Porto, and then we just move on to the next stages, man. And then obviously it gives us momentum. And yeah, hopefully well, from we can do something crazy with the season. <laughs> obviously still in the FA Cup, still in the FA Cup as well. So anything can happen, man. We're in, the, we're, we're in the running to win things, in the running to finish the season really, really well after looking disastrous. So yeah, man, hopefully next week I'll see you boys on there. We're celebrating, smiling that we're through to the semi-finals. Got three points against Palace, and we're looking forward to the weekend for another Prem game. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, boys. Catch you a lot later. Yeah, love for that, bro. Easy. Easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.